by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Well, Sherlock Holmes and his sidekick Watson were on a case and they were traveling through the land and they had to camp out one night. They went to bed just a few hours before dawn. Sherlock nudges Dr. Watson in the ribs. He said, Dr. Watson, what do you see? And Dr. Watson looked up. He said, Sherlock, I see the majesty of heaven. I see all of God's creation. I see a million twinkling stars the wonders of astrology. And I look up and I see that there's no clouds and I think of God's meteorology. And Sherlock says, Watson, you nincompoop, someone stole our tent. (laughs) And Jesus says, wake up and look around and don't miss the obvious. He's nudging you in the ribs right now. Wake up, church. Look around. And don't miss the obvious. And the obvious is what we're going to talk about today, right? How do I know Jesus said, wake up and look around? Because in John 4.35, he says, wake up and look around. (laughs) Did I make that up? Put 35 on there. We'll come back to 34. Wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe to harvest. Jesus said, don't miss the obvious. And it's obvious that you can look around in this world and see, hey, somebody needs to get saved around here. Somebody needs to find Jesus. Go back to verse 34. See, Jesus explains it. He says, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God. That's how I get filled up. He said, I have meat that you know not of. I have something that makes me complete on the inside, and it's doing the will of God who sent me and finishing his work. He said, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe to harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages. And the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy. Say what joy. What joy. The joy of harvesting eternal fruit. The eternal souls of mankind. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike? In your life, you need to be planting, or you need to be watering, or you need to be harvesting the eternal crop and doing the will of God, and it will begin to be your nourishment in this world. You say, my my soul's hungry for more. My life is hungry for more. Jesus said, I have meat you know not of. Look up. Look around. Don't miss the obvious. We're on a series called Seven Things. And it stems from a video I put on our website for those new believers who get born again. So what do I do now? And so I gave them seven things that basically all just lead to this one thing, which is your main objective here in this life, whether you're just born again or whether you've been born again 60 years, is to get closer to Jesus. So, so far we've talked about prayer. We've talked about reading your Bible and going to church. It's amazing, those three, we, we keep hammering them, but it was good messages, wouldn't you agree? God always brings new life into old themes. 
And then we talked about getting involved last week, getting involved in what God is doing here on earth. And we're going to continue that today by number five, which is share your faith. You remember being in junior high and you was at the, in the cafeteria and you was chewing on that pizza or something that they had. Y'all remember the junior high pizzas? We got lunch ladies in here, so what are y'all serving now, Melody? Still pizza. <laughs> you remember chewing on that hard pizza and you were so excited telling your friends something and, and food was spraying out your mouth as you was talking and they said, say it, don't. Y'all remember. Well, today's message is entitled, Spray Your Faith. Spray Your Faith. And I'll explain a little bit as we go on. But don't wait. Once you get born again, don't wait. Begin to share your faith now. Some of you were born again in 1979, and you're still waiting to share your faith. That tends to happen if you don't make it a practice right off the bat. You, you, you know, the first thing that we see Jesus said in the Bible, if you look chronologically, when he was 12 years old, the first thing we hear from Jesus, he's in the temple, and he says, don't you know I must be about my father's business? He was 12 years old, and he's already spraying his faith. So there's nobody too young. We have toddlers back there in the back that can tell you about Jesus right now spray your faith you see when jesus came into your life he sent his spirit into your heart and you became a new creation with a new revelation you're like new creatures with new features right Something changed on the inside of you. Now you have the words of eternal life. I, I know you have them because if you have eternal life, that's how you got them. Somebody shared the words of eternal life with you. Now you, my friends, have become a fisher of men. That's how that works. <laughs> you know, if the bridge is out and you're driving along and you see the bridge out ahead and you're able somehow to stomp on the brakes and come to a slide and stop and just come to the edge but not go over the cliff into the abyss below, into the destruction that awaits, the raging waters of darkness below, you're spared. You're not going to get out of your car and start, start walking back thinking, well, I'm going to go make a sign. To tell people the bridge is out. Cars are driving by. Going off the, into, off the bridge. Well, I'm not really ready to tell people yet. I'm just going to make a sign. And you go home and you put you together a sign. You paint it up the best you can. And you bring it out. And, and, and you say, well, that's not. It, they can't see it at night. I'm really not ready yet to share it. I'm, I'm going to take it back with me. And I'm going to go get a light. And, I'm gonna, and see, that's the way some of us are doing no, you're going to be waving that traffic down. Stop, stop. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a traffic man. I'm not prepared for this. I don't know what I'm doing. But I know enough to tell you don't go off the bridge. I know enough to tell you how to save your life. And you begin to spray your faith right then and there. You don't wait till you get everything, all your ducks in a row. You learn all the scriptures that you need to know. You, you think you've, you've become worthy to share the gospel. You were made worthy to share the gospel the moment you got born again. Born again is just not a new belief system. It's not just, oh, okay, I think differently now. <laughs> no, it's a total transformation in the essence of who you are and what you're called to do. It should be radical. It shouldn't be. Oh, hum. It should be radical. It don't matter if you feel ready. You are ready. Anybody can share this gospel. Some people, like I said, procrastinate and just put it off. And they've been putting it off for 50 years. And they've never shared their faith with anybody. And fear has gripped them. And they, th they think that I can't do it because I'm afraid. I can't share my faith. Well, listen. 
Courage is not the absence of fear, but is doing it in afraid. And you're called to be courageous. Do it afraid. Just do it, please. Because your life is unfulfilling. And you're hungry for something, and you don't even know what it is. And, and all these things in this world, the, the cares of this life and the, the riches of this world and stuff, they're not fulfilling you. They're temporary and at best. Then they like the manna, they turn ugly on you. Turn to worms. And you're hungry. And you're thinking, maybe I'll just go to the prayer line again Sunday. You don't need another prayer line. You need to learn to spray your faith. I'm telling you. I'm telling you what I'm learning, what fulfills me. Jesus said that's what fulfills him. Isn't he our example? I have meat that you know not of. I'm trying to tell you the meat that Jesus has. Jesus said in John 20, 21, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. See, the peace is in the, in the going. Peace be with you as you go and do what I tell you to do, what I send you to do. You're not going to have peace apart from the peace that Jesus gives in the going. Now, some people, you know, when I say share your faith, they cringe. Oh, here he goes. He's going to tell me I need to be a preacher again. I'm not a preacher. I'm just going to cut off. I'm not listening to this message. If I could walk out of here right now without anybody noticing, I would. But I'm just going to sit here and I'm not going to listen. I wonder what's on Instagram right now. You're cringing because of that fear is rising up that I'm going to tell you you're going to have to preach. And the truth is, yes, you're going to have to preach. Yes. Like I said, those toddlers, I could bring little Joe in here right now. And little Joe could say, Jesus died on the cross to take away our sins, and I give my heart to Jesus. Little Joe could do it. And you can too. I know Big Joe can do it. Big Joe probably witnessed the three people going back there to the th thermostat. <laughs> and that's why Little Joe can do it. Because Big Joe's doing it. Romans 10, 14 says, how should they call on him in whom they have not believed? See, we're living in a world of unbelievers. They're not calling on Jesus. And how shall they believe in him who they've not heard? Why are they not calling on him? Because they've heard some things about him, but they didn't hear the truth about him. And you're bearers of the truth. It says, how shall they hear without a preacher? You're the preacher. You're the preacher. And it goes on to say, how beautiful are the feet of those who, who bring the good news. You're precious to God if you would dare get outside of your comfort zone and tell somebody. Uh, Peter says in 1 Peter 3, 5, if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Say, be ready. But I would take it farther. Don't just be ready to explain it if they ask. Why don't you kind of initiate a conversation so that you can insert it in there somewhere without them asking? You remember they're going off the cliff, right? People are dying and going to an eternal hell. We have an obligation. But I'm going to have mercy on you today. I'm not going to talk about just sharing your faith verbally. Sharing your faith is sharing the gospel, the gospel message. But that's not all. It's sharing Christ and all the results of having him in your life. See, your faith encompasses more than just what you know. It's what's happened to you, all the benefits of the covenant in which you live. You're walking in this new faith. You're a new creature. 
new creation. You have all these wonderful benefits. All that you have, this peace and this joy and the Holy Ghost, the love of God shed abroad in your, holy, in your heart by the Holy Ghost and all these things, that's part of your faith. So sharing just the gospel is the beginning point, but you can share so much more of your faith, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Your faith encompasses all that you have believed and received. It's not just what you believe, but it is what you receive as a result of Jesus being your Lord. And it can be shared in many different ways in your life. And God knew we'd mess this up. God knew that we wouldn't know what, how to do it, when to do it, why to do it, where to do it. And he sent the Holy Spirit into our hearts as our teacher, our guide, our comforter. Teach us all things. Show us all things. He's like the director of the ensemble of our faith. He shows us how to share it. And he quietly, gently nudges us to share it. He's encouraging you today to share it. Now, so I have, I've written down 15 things. You're saying, oh my goodness, we're going to be here till this afternoon. Well, I could have written down 50 things, but I didn't. I just wrote down 15 things, and uh, I'm just going to share a little bit on each one. And there are 15 ways. Like I said, there, these are just some common ways. There's other ways to share your faith. There's unlimited ways to share your faith. But these are some just natural, easy things to do, ways you can share your faith. Number one, let your faith be reflected on your face. <laughs> in your demeanor. Wow, sour Christians don't win a lot of people to the Lord. If you're out there moaning and complaining with the best of them, and then you're going to try to turn around and tell them about Jesus, it's not working. Being encouraging in this world sets you apart right off the bat. We need to be Barnabases. Barnabas is, is, means encourager. And that's what Barnabas in the Bible was in the New Testament. If you look in the book of Acts, he went around encouraging people. He believed the best about folks. Man, everywhere he went, just he brought life with him. And that is sharing your faith. And this world is so negative. Psalms 96.2 says, Sing to the Lord, praise his name, each day proclaim the good news that he saves. Say each day. What does it say on your pastor's challenge in your bulletin? Anybody look at that thing? Have eyes to see people and look for opportunities, right? Just recapping what we're going to be talking about today. But later as I was studying this message out and thinking about these things, I want to challenge you to go further than that. This week, I want you to think about each day how to share the good news that Jesus saves. Now, you may not get to the point where you're, you know, leading them, somebody through the sinner's prayer. You may just say, you know what, God is good in my life. For some of you, it might just be smiling into a bad situation and not saying what you were going to say, but Lord, see, I'm sharing. I'm sharing where I'm at. <laughs> I'm doing the best I can to share this good thing that I found. I'm trying to let... My faith be reflective on my face. Number two, show kindness and generosity. I've talked to waitresses in the past, and they tell me that they hate working on Sundays because the Christians are the rudest and the worst tippers. Now, I don't know if that's true. It might be spin that the devil's put out there just to downgrade Christians again. I don't know, but it ought to not be true. I mean, we ought to be the most kind, gentle, understanding, not demanding. You know, being demanding and critical and judgmental and stingy, does that sound like Jesus at all? Well, we praise the Lord good in church, but we leave 
and would do something like that? Let it not be so. Philemon chapter 1 verse 6 says, I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith. As you understand and experience all the good things that we have in Christ. As you understand and experience what God has done in you, boy, you just need to be generous with it. You need to share it with someone else. That's part of sharing this faith that you have. Number three, simply care. <laughs> the world, if they're not Christians, they're like, nobody cares. I mean, even as Christians, sometimes we look around, does anybody care? This world has a deficit of care. The only care we know is the, the kind that weighs us down, cares. But nobody cares, <laughs> if that makes any sense. So I would say, ask questions to your friends. Show some concern for their situation. When you talk, don't always just tell your side what you're going through. But show some concern and say, What's going on in your life? Learn the art of conversation. See, conversation is both speaking and listening. A lot of times, since I'm a pastor, people say, I need some counseling, Pastor. Could, could you talk with me? I got something I need to discuss with you. And they will, we will get in the office or somewhere, and I'll, we'll sit down, and they don't know that, I'm not a professional counselor. I don't know anything more than anybody else, you know. I'm just learning as I go too, you know. But I'll say, uh, what's going on? Then about an hour later, I just, you know, I've said like five words, and I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, really? Yeah. You know, that'll be about the extent of my end of the conversation. And they'll get up and say, Pastor, you've really helped me. You're the best, Pastor. I'm going to come to you with all my problems. They don't really need you to tell them what to do. Most people just need someone. That they, they have worked it out. They have had a con they've heard themselves speak it. And the, the answers are plain once they get it out of their mouth. But in the world, they have no one to tell it to. And if you're sitting there praying under your breath, and the presence of God is on you, God will speak to them. You don't necessarily have to say a whole lot. Just be an ear to listen. And that leads to number four, give of yourself. Be that ear. Be that shoulder to cry on. Give of your resources. Wow, that hurts. Time. Oh, we're, none of us have any time for anybody, right? If you have your schedule so jam-packed that you don't have time to hurt, help a hurting friend, then you, your schedule is just too busy. You're focusing on too many things that aren't the important things. So give of, put yourself in position to give. You can't outgive God anyway. Have you ever been in line at Wendy's or somewhere and somebody's in front of you and they're counting out nickels and dimes and and trying to put that four for four meal together and they got three dollars and 57 cents and they're still working on it and you're sitting there come on dude man and you're getting mad is that the way we should be or should we say hey let me get lunch for you today really okay so what a, whatever you lost five dollars did you really lose it or you think god's going to bless you for that see Give of yourself. Allow your life to be interrupted. That's hard to learn as a pastor because if you're a task-oriented person like me, you just about getting it. you got all these things you got to get done, and people just get in the way sometimes. You forget, wait a minute, I'm the pastor. The people are the task. And that should be the same way in all of our lives. The people are more important than the task. Be willing to be interrupted in your life. What about the wise men? I imagine their calendars were full. These were wise men. 
They were rich. They probably ran businesses. They were CEOs of their day. I'm sure they had a whole lot of people looking up to them. But when they saw that star in the sky, when something burned in their heart that they got to go see this Messiah, they left all their their calendar behind and got on their camels and went riding. And some people say it was about a year's journey before they found the Lord. But they found the Lord. Didn't matter to them that their schedules had been interrupted. Are they remembered because they were particularly wise? Are they remembered because they had a lot of money? Are they remembered because they were had their head down and their hand on the plow and they was, you know, always doing their job? Or are they remembered because they allowed their life to be interrupted to meet with Jesus? And when you meet with the least of these, you're meeting with Jesus. When you give a cup of cold water to a little child, you buy somebody a four for four. Come on. We ought to not be stingy like that. It's just a matter of perspective. I mean, we get in these traps and ways of doing things, and I'm trying to help you. God is trying to help you today. Remember we talked about being unfulfilled, wanting peace, wanting joy. Well, I'm telling you, this is how you cultivate these things in your life, doing these things. Give of yourself. Number five, practice hospitality. Invite somebody over to your house. If you're like me, your carpet's nasty, and you're like, I don't want to invite somebody over, but this can't afford to get new carpet right now. Uh, we're running all the time. We're not able, going so much that we're not able to keep everything spotless. There's dishes in the sink. Oh, we have opportunity to invite somebody, but maybe we're not because, you know, our house is... In, let me just tell you something. People are more comfortable in your disarrayed house than they are in your spotless house. <laughs> Hospitality. That's why these life groups are so important. Because people are getting to see that, hey, we're all just people. We're all in this together. We all got dishes. <laughs> yeah. Serve it on a paper plate. Who cares? I mean, that's what makes people feel open up because they, they don't feel like that you're too good to talk to them. Have you ever gone to somebody's house that's completely spotless and they got gold ornaments and all those things? You're afraid to sit down. You got plastic on the couch. You know, what's going on here? Let me out of here. People are more comfortable in an imperfect house. Number six. Be real. And that just goes back to what I just said. We're all in this together. Why are we putting on a plastic Christian facade? We put on these, uh, these Christian masks, and people can't see past it. We're not called to intimidate people. We're not called to intimidate people. That's what we've been talking about, being relevant. Paul said, I become all things to all people, and, and in the end, that I might win some. You know, I'm not trying to put on airs. Jesus didn't say get saved and then show our, everybody how righteous and perfect you are. He didn't say that. He said, live righteously. Be ye holy as I am holy. But that being holy, wouldn't to me mean that you're being honest. And this is where I am right now in my journey, in my sanctification. And I don't want to get to the place where I'm so holy I can't talk to you. Be real. Number seven, be an example. Faith is best expressed in faithfulness. Why don't you come to my church with me? Wait a minute, I'm not going this Sunday. I forgot. We got a soccer game. Oh, we'll go next week. No, I'm going fishing next week. If it ain't important to you, it ain't going to be important to them. 
faithfulness. When they see faithfulness, that, that causes them, what would cause somebody to be so faithful? It encourages somebody else. Our faithfulness lights the path for other people so that they can find faith. Your faithfulness is a light. <laughs> some people talk their Christianity, but some people walk their Christianity. Matthew 5.15 says, No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your good deeds shine out. Let them spray out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Your life ought to be filled with good deeds and faithfulness. You, sh you set the example. Show the world. This you guys... Y'all think you know everything, but let me show you how it's done. See, I'm following the master. Number eight, endure great trials with confident hope. Guess what? Trials and tribulations are coming to us all. They break most people down. The ugliness in most people comes forth when they're going through the hard times. But not so in your case. You endure great trials with expectant, godly hope. And I'm just going to be honest. I don't know, care. If, I don't know if uh, Miss Mary Ellen minds that I share, but her testimony. But she's been really going through tough times in her family lately, and she has done exactly this. Instead of letting it sit on her like a wet blanket and drive her into the ground. She has shirked it off and said, I know in whom I have believed. And she has risen up and drawn closer to Jesus than she's ever been in her life. And she is shining as an example to all of us how to endure great trials. Number nine, faith sees people. God that got beat up and left in the ditch, you know, the priest and the Levite, they, they saw him, but they walked on by. But the good Samaritan sees, sees the man with the eyes of this new heart that God gives us, sees another person's situation, cares about the plight and the hurt and the pain of someone else, sees when you, when you walk through the realms of this life and the Walmarts and the gas stations and the Dollar Generals, down the halls of your house, and you hear your daughter weeping or your son getting in trouble or something, you see their situation. See people that, that you don't even know, that you don't even care about. Just know that within that sack of skin and bones, Within there, there's feelings going on in there just like there's feelings going on in here. They have situations in there just like you have situations. All of us are a living soul and all of us are going through and needing someone to see us. And Christians must begin to see people, see the needs in people's life like Jesus did. Remember, I'm telling you how to have peace and joy in your life. You, but you keep talking about other people. That's exactly what I'm saying. The secret to joy and peace in your life is getting out, out of inward and into outward mode. The joy in serving the Lord is not to self-implodes. The weight of self and self-concern will implode you from the inside out. But if you begin to look and see the needs and help other people, then your problems will simply evaporate eventually because you won't give them any care and concern and you turn them over to the Lord. He takes care of you while you take care of them. 
Now, it may not happen right away, and you may say, well, I gave them $4, and I don't see more. God didn't give me $4 back. Join the process and begin to see whatsoever man sows, that will he also reap. Whew, faith sees people. That good Samaritan, he saw that man. I'm sure he had a schedule to keep. I'm sure he was going somewhere. I'm sure he needed the money that he gave to the keeper of the inn. But it, because his compassion and his empathy welled up in him, it caused him to, to see and to do. Number 10, pray for others. Prayer is an act of faith. It's believing God on behalf of someone else. And for goodness sake, if you tell somebody you're going to pray for them, don't, don't just let it be a cliche. Actually pray for them. When y'all ask me to pray for you, I usually don't put it off and say I'll do it later because I'll forget. I may be on the phone, you're still talking, and I'm praying for you right now. I have made it a habit. When, when you ask me to pray, I don't just say okay and then don't do it. I'm believing God for you right now. Number 11, share your testimony. Sharing your testimony is sharing your life with somebody, right? And I thought about this. Isn't that what we're trying to share? Eternal life? And when you share your story, you're sharing your life? You're investing life into that person because your testimony should, should be how uh, you were headed this way, but Jesus made you head this way, how he resurrected you. Your testimony should be a resurrection story and an, an opportunity for them to say, hey, if it happened for him, it could happen for me. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Our testimony is powerful. Nobody can take it from us. They might not believe us, but... Most of the time, if we're sincere enough, they'll say, well, at least he believes that happened to him. It's powerful. They may not believe that the Word of God is the Word of God. But they may believe that something did happen to that person. Because I see their faithfulness. I see that they see me, that they question me, they have concern for me, they do these other things. And suddenly your testimony becomes mighty powerful. And it's investing your life into someone else. And then number 12, invite someone to church. Probably the easiest way to uh, witness these days is simply to invite someone to church. We've talked about the statistics, how many people will come to your church if they had a personal invite. You bring them. If you got to go get them, you, you know, you probably have to invite them about 94 times, I think, is the average before they'll actually come. But, you know, they see the witness in your life that you're faithful and you, you're smiling all the time and it's doing something for you. Eventually, they're going to come and then they're going to hear the gospel preached and they're going to, the God, the Holy Spirit's going to work in their heart and draw them to the Father and they're going to raise their hand and they're going to give their life to Jesus and you're going to sit back and say, I was part of something. And it's probably the easiest and the most, and ironically, the most effective way to witness in today's society is to bring them to church with you. Number 13, demonstrate forgiveness. There's not a lot of forgiveness in the world. Not a lot at all. But how many of you watched the courtroom scene recently as a white female police officer had killed this man in his own apartment and the brother of the man killed forgave the woman from when he had a chance to rail on her and tell her how she's going to hell and all this. And, and you know, the, the common division that the world wants to permeate in our society is that, you know, well, she's a cop. She's a white cop. And I, he, he was a black man. And there's racial tension there. And, and so he could have said, you know, he could have just went with the world's way. You did this, and he could have pointed it out. 
And I'm not saying she didn't. I don't know the situation. Maybe she was racist. Maybe she, maybe she was abusing her badge. Maybe she did all those things, but maybe this man forgave her anyway and set an example for all of us. The more actually she did, the, the greater the witness of his testimony. And then the judge comes down off of the bench with a Bible. You mean a judge had a Bible back there on the bench? In America? Let me remind you that America was built on Christian principles. One nation under God. I think all our judges ought to have a Bible up there at the bench. They ought to be making their judgments according to the Bible. And she brought her Bible down there, her personal Bible, and gave it and, and hugged this woman and loved on this woman and was witnessing to her, telling her to read John 3.16. And I was watching it on a, a clip where these news anchors, they blanked it out. And we don't know what she's doing. And they cut the sound off because they, they freaked them out so much that a judge would get off off the bench and witness to somebody in court. And then they cut it back on and said, we're not sure what's happening now, but the judge is, and they were all in the, the judge is talking to her and, and mentioned the scripture, John 3, 16. We think it's a scripture we've seen on sports events before, and, and we're not understanding why this judge is doing this. It seems that she's brought her a book, and we don't understand... I love freaking the world out. Don't you be embarrassed to share your faith anywhere, anytime. Last I checked, we have the freedom of religion in this nation. We have the freedom of speech in this nation. Government can't tell you what you can and can't say. We got a man over here that's teaching in the high schools. Good night. The ACLU staying up late at night trying to figure out how to stop this man preaching at his school. He's not embarrassed of the gospel. And he's changing the whole school. I hope you don't mind I share that testimony. Keep it down. <laughs> I'm proud of him. Man, that's how you win a world. But anyway, demonstrate forgiveness. The world don't know nothing about that. Number 14, faith works by love. And it's also best shared in love. Let the love of God come up in you. Respond to that. Number 15, simply reflect Jesus. What you see and hear in me, do. What you, whatever you see in Jesus, just do that. Particularly his grace and mercy. You know, Jesus knew we were jacked up. I mean, really. The more I get to know people, the more I realize how jacked up we all are. And the more I start to think that I'm better than somebody and then I start reflecting on myself, I realize, boy, I'm jacked up too. We are. And it's, it's amazing that we can get outside of ourselves for any moment of time and do any of these things because this, this pull of sin nature is pulling at us all the time. We have to choose to walk in the Spirit and the things of God. We have to make a conscious decision every day. That's why I said sing those songs and share that He saves every day. You have to wake up every day you can't rely on yesterday's faith. Get up today and choose to reflect his grace and his mercy and be outward-minded. We're never more like him than when we love the unlovely. Don't wait for those perfect people. Oh, that's just a little, oh, that little cute kid. Oh, I can love on them. I can tell them about Jesus. They're so cute. But what about the ugly people? Don't be looking on your row. I'll see you two. <laughs> Nudging each other like Sherlock and Watson over here. What about the ugly people? Don't they need love too? They might need more love. Our nature 
is to want to play the judge, to be the jury, and the executioner. We want to judge, mm -hmm. made up my mind about you, and I'm executing you from my life. You're not playing any part. But Jesus says, no, no, no. I've not called you to be the judge, the jury, or the executioner. I've called you to be a witness. Christians, you're not called to judge the world. Cut them off. You are called to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. You witness for Jesus Christ. Bring them to his love and let him sort them out. That's good preaching. It's bad I have to tell you that's good preaching, but that's good preaching. Okay, there's 15 things that I've told you. Just You knew all those things. Get out there and do them. It's where you find your real life. It's where you find peace, love, joy, hope. Philippians 2, 1 in the Good News Translation says, Your life in Christ makes you strong. And His love comforts you. You have fellowship with the Spirit. And you have kindness and compassion for one another. See, that's the way it is. It works in a circle. Your life in Christ begins to make you strong and his love begins to comfort you and then you begin to have fellowship with the spirit and your kindness and compassion and it is evident to others. Let Jesus have his way in you and you will experience life, my friend. Fulfillment. Don't just say it, but spray it. Let every fiber of your being be proclaiming Jesus Christ. Not just your mouth, but your your faithfulness, your love, your compassion, all these things that we've talked about. Let it be spraying your faith. Share your faith. You know, Jesus led the thief on the cross to salvation without saying a word to him. Jesus said seven things from the cross. He said one thing to the, to the thief, but it wasn't until after he asked to be saved. What did this thief, what changed his mind? Because the, one of the gospels said both thieves were railing on Jesus when they were crucified. They were both making fun of him along with the Pharisees and all those people. They were talking bad about Jesus. Yeah, won't you come down? Won't you get us down from here? I can hear their ugly banter right now. What changed the one? Because Jesus didn't. Start talking to him and telling him his theology. What changed him? Maybe he was taken a little bit aback when Jesus is raised up. He's hanging from that pole and says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Maybe there's a little forgiveness that began to touch his heart. Maybe he saw Jesus. He said, Mama, behold your new son. I'm not going to be here to take care of you, but John will take care of you. Taking care of mama. It wasn't because he was so good looking. Because the Bible says he had been beaten beyond recognition. He, he wasn't recognizable as a human, it says in Isaiah. What permeated? What was Jesus spraying that caused this man to begin to think? Shut up down there, man. Let's leave him alone. He ain't done nothing. He was above reproach. He says, Jesus, would you remember me when you enter into your kingdom? And then Jesus speaks. Yes. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Bible says the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Spray out the goodness of God in your life. What's your faith saying besides what you're saying? We got an obligation to help people find bread, right? We got to tell them where the bread is.
Jesus is the bread of life. We've got to show them. We've got to tell them where the bread, bread is. But we also have obligation to share our bread with them until they get there. So that they'll know, hey, I want some bread. Because I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. I've tasted and seen your life. And then you will become a city on a hill. Then you will become a lighthouse to all the weary travelers out there. This world is just so, it's groaning. It's, it's an expectation of something to save them. And they don't have anybody proclaiming Jesus is good. They only have the, the people saying all manner of evil against Christians and their religion. But you have those words of eternal life. Philippians 2.15 says, So that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Lest we look up one morning and realize we've been like Watson and Nincompoop and missed the whole point. Let God remove that tent you've been living under let God remove that veil that tells you that no I'm a, I don't have to tell anybody pastor tells them no I'm scared I'm living under this tent no say your faith and spray your faith for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.